Hey everybody, it's Adam from IHP and here we are with the IHP staff. We have another episode of JC Unplugged. Um, but before we get into this, this is our second episode of the year, but before we do that, I know you've been you've been here, you haven't been here, I know you've been working on your book. I think what, 17 chapters? No no name for it yet, but right. It's kind of something like you? programs, programs, and more programs. It's gonna be kind of a, a I want I want a, a title that tells you exactly what it is. It's a no-nonsense book. We're not gonna go into periodization, designing your own program. I'm just gonna give you like a hundred programs, all right, for everything, for a bigger chest, a bigger back, functional, traditional, hybrid. It has everything. It has performance programs. Uh, everything, everything you could ever want is in this book in, in terms of programming. Uh, if you wanna learn how to program, the functional training program that we just uh, published December the 5th, uh, uh, during uh, 2015, that has the how-to, the whole thing. So I didn't want to spend time on that. So we're gonna name it uh, something like that, JC's programs, or programs and programs and <coughs> programs, seven chapters, I just handed in. Uh, January 6th was the, well, the last chapter in, and now we're going to the mechanical editing and the different types of editing that are involved. Uh, November release date of this year is kind of what we're looking at, October, November, so uh, we're gonna have a, a nice December a Christmas party. Right. We're gonna throw down a Christmas party that's gonna also be the release of the book here. So we're gonna take advantage of two things. So imagine the book is called Progress, Programs, and More Programs. It's and more programs. El Fuego. <laughs> <laughs> programs, El Fuego. So we're gonna go right into our questions now. Um, but the first question I'm gonna ask, because it was in here, um, we were just talking to the staff. Last weekend was the Miami Marathon. And we right. had a couple people from our IHP staff who have never ran a marathon, <laughs> never trained for, for a, marathon. a marathon, who ran the marathon. One was under what? Four hours? Or four hours? Well, Andy didn't even do the running for the marathon. He didn't even do running. Period. End of story. He would do a, a, a rough race and, and he would do some 5K here. Andy didn't even run, train for the marathon. He just lived on our metabolic protocols and do the things that Andy does. Climbing a wall on Saturday, run a 5K on Sunday for charity, and that's, that's Andy. He ran it in 457. Jordan did a little bit more training. I think uh, you had a little bit of base and you did our training for three weeks? Eight. Eight weeks? Eight weeks. And I looked at his charts and I think he ran on an average of about 16 to 17 miles a week. Never ran his longest run, I think was 11 miles with a pre-fatigue of the super legs, okay? And he ran a 401, his first marathon, and he says it's his last. And I, <laughs> and, and I don't blame him. I don't blame you, but, but there you have it. Look, you don't need to do what you think you need to do. The same thing goes for our fighters. We've already proven you don't even need to spar for a match. We've had the most sensational wins with minimal sparring, okay, because of injuries, cuts, and whatnot. Uh, you don't need to run what you think. We've got people from Ecuador that are running 200 kilometers a week. You don't have to do that, all right? Jordan is living proof that without even a training base, you can train eight weeks, no more than 17 miles a week, and run a marathon in four hours, your first marathon. If he starts to run marathons and can actually get the timing and pacing down, he'll be a 345 guy with no additional running. With no additional running, just strategically learning how to run the race. Okay, so there you have it. Reduced volume training applies across the board. All right, question two. Uh, what's the best way to get an athlete to visualize the application of an exercise to their given sport? For example, 
having the athlete make the connection of a leg press to a golf swing. Um, yeah, we, we always say, you know, uh, real coaching, you have to bring the person and an athlete, of course, you're, you're looking at the sport, but it could be if you're training a housewife and she comes in because she's out of shape and she's tired and her back hurts from picking up the kid and all that stuff. When you're doing a workshop, when you're doing a deadlift, you have to take that housewife and say, this is how you pick up your kid. <clears throat> Once you teach proper training, then you start with a pre-fatigue. You do 30 seconds of bursa climbing or you do super legs or whatever in, in midway through the workout and you're doing this leg, uh, this, uh, this uh, deadlift and you gotta bring her. This is what it feels like at three or four o'clock in the afternoon when you're tired, all right? You got to stay on top of things. You gotta use the right form. You're picking up the kid. You're picking up the kid. Feel the kid, feel the kid. And you gotta take her home when she's tired while she's in the gym. Same thing with the athlete. You're doing a leg press and let's say a golfer, okay? And you study the whole thing, how they do it, and how they kind of push off that, that lead leg, right? How they push to turn. How the pitcher, when he throws it here, he pushes to allow this to turn. How the batter pushes, okay? You have this pushing off the lead leg that happens to rotate. Okay, so you take this person and you're doing a leg press. You can do a two-legged leg press, but I, you know, I, I'm kind of partial to the single leg press. So you go, every time you think, you think push this leg press, you got to be on the golf club, uh, on the golf course, just pushing, pushing, pushing. So we don't go deep, we go like a quarter, push, push, push. You know you're successful when the client, athlete or not, tells you, you know, I was in this situation yesterday or during the weekend, and man, I thought about you. I heard you say push, or it was just like it was just like beating that leg press. The uh, the fighter will tell you, you know, I was dead tired in the third round, and then I just realized, oh, I'm at I'm at the three third minute in the circuit. I do this thing, and I it's oh, no problem. Here comes fifty punches. So you take them to the activity when you're training. That's part of your coaching, and you know you're successful because the day that they're at the activity, they're going to tell you, man, all I could think about was IHP your voice, your directions, the feel, the exercise. And it's just like that. That's when you know it come, it's come full circle. So you take the client to the activity during your training, so they come back to the training on the coaching side. That's good. Pretty smart. <laughs> Katie says, where do you get this from? How'd you come up with all of this? I said, how'd, you come, how'd your grandfather come up with all this? Just accumulated them along the way. <laughs> he didn't invent anything, he just accumulated them. This is a good question. I, I, I like this one because um, I think it's really, really important. Do you feel that as a trainer, you should not only be aware of physical injury, but also a mental injury such as PTSD? Absolutely. Absolutely, because we've talked about what does the IHP trainer do? We reset the barometer of the human will. Okay, what is that? How is the will developed? <clears throat> you, the, the power of your will, the intensity of your will, what you're willing to do. How, how is that developed? How is that defined? How is that created? It's created on the good things that you've learned, and it's limited by the crap that you've learned. Okay? Post-traumatic stress is your history. It's something that happened. It's a trauma. No different than a rape. No different than getting bullied at, at, at 11 when you're very impressionable, losing your lunch money when you're 10 years old, 
uh, how you perceive threat, how you perceive things, how you were raised, your willingness. Uh, being turned down the first time you ask a girl to dance, and uh, that, that could traumatize you, and you'll never ask anybody to dance. Okay? So that's your past. That's your past. Uh, I can't go 200. When I feel like this, i got to stop. That's your past. It's all part. That's just a label. That's all part of the programming of the past. So the 3 times 10 with 10 pounds is just a practice for the 3 times 12 with 10 pounds and the 3 times 15. How do you get from 10 to 12 to 15? you got to break some of the indoctrinization okay, of the past. And usually it's the limiting, from what they call the limiting self-beliefs, the limiting beliefs that you have, which limit you. That is just a label of something that happened that traumatizes you that now limits you. Training or any, any challenge is, can be used and is used as a rehearsal to fortify the human will, the human spirit. Fasting. You don't eat. Well, guess what? That's not fun. you got to overcome that sensation. Boom. Meditation. I'm not talking about meditation for five minutes. I'm talking about meditations like these guys do on a mountaintop for two days. Okay, you got to overcome cold, hot, the fly, your sensation. I, I want to pee. I want to go to the bathroom. I want to itch. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. All of that. All of that. you got to overcome that to stay sad. Okay, here in, in this environment, you're overcoming self-induced suffocation. Because when you train metabolically, guess what this is? <sighs> I can't get enough oxygen. What's the difference between that and waterboarding? The intent. Here, it's acceptable because it's exercise. Waterboarding, holy Jesus, boom. And when they waterboard you, they tell you, we're not going to kill you. We're not going to pull out your nails. We're not going to blind you. We're not going to burn you. We're not going to decapitate you. We're not going to do nothing. As a matter of fact, after your waterboarding, you're going to go in air conditioning and we're going to give you three square meals. But right now, I want to give you a feeling that you're going to die. And people piss their pants and give up the goods. This is what, this is what waterboarding is 30 seconds of versa climbing, man. And that's why people are scared of it. They want to stop. In order for them not to stop, to touch the curtain, what is it? You gotta rehearse it. You gotta rehearse it. And we know it can be rehearsed because the special forces that we train here rehearse waterboarding. That's what they do for fun. Three of us we've got nothing to do. Hey, let's practice waterboarding. Okay, your turn. Blah, 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 blah. They come up, they come up cursing you. Alright, it's Chris's turn. Let's go. And after a while, it's like, okay, it's just a matter of passing out. They're going to revive me. It's not nothing. So I swallow a little bit of water, pass out, feel like crap, and then it's his turn. So when it get, if they're captured and that's done on them, no biggie. For, for most people, that, that's terrifying. Well, 30 seconds on the Versa Climber for your average person is terrifying. For them to overcome that, they have to overcome all that past. So any condition, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is just one of the many you know, but the fear of leaving home, they have, there's a name for that. The fear of spiders, whatever fear you have, it's false evidence appearing real. How are you, you going to convince somebody of that? You got to rehearse it. You got to rehearse it. You got to give it a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. And it's just a matter of going from 10 pounds to 12 pounds to 15, progressively. So, hell yeah, all of those disorders 
can, can and will be improved through anything that challenges your human will. Whether it's meditation, whether it's exercise, whether it's whatever, any discipline. Any discipline will make you withstand physical discomfort. That's all it is. Dress it up any way you want. The gym is just fun. Nobody wants to go to a psychiatrist, that's for crazy people. Nobody wants to go to a therapist, that's for weak people. But anybody will walk into a gym. <laughs> so we have an incredible opportunity in an environment that everybody's got their guard down. Oh, 20 push-ups, I can't do it. Don't worry about it, we start with 10. Touch the curve. You got 10? Okay, just let's practice 10. Gets to the point where 10 ain't shit. So they go for 12. And then they go for 15. Before you know it, you're doing 20. How did that happen? The evolution. The evolution of what? Letting go of the past. Yeah? That was JC unplugged right there. <laughs> That's a JCism. <laughs> Alright, one more question. Um, what's the most interesting application of vibration on the power plate that we're currently using and we're researching? Hmm. I gotta tell you, there's there's four areas that we're experimenting. I, the coolest thing for me right now is bone mineral density. Why? Because we're training our fibers, right? And we got some guys peaking, and we got some guys coming in from injuries. So of course, anybody who's had an injury, we're seeing how circulation and the increased range of motion from the, that 30 hertz and even uh, 50 hertz to some degree, uh, how that's impacting. Uh, we know that it increases circulation, especially at the skin. There's some interesting stuff on even cell like believe it or not. Uh, we, we, we're not there yet, but we'll, we'll get there uh, with that, the application of that. There's a very interesting research on visceral fat, which has huge implications for type 2 diabetes, for obesity, uh, uh, risks of, of any CV, anything like that. But for me, the coolest thing right now is um, going back to my days of, of, of breaking in, in martial arts, we used to do push-ups on knuckles, and you would start on terrazzo floor, which was very smooth, and with a little bit of uh, uh, towels, and then you remove the towels, and then from the terrazzo floor, you would move to uh, concrete blocks, which are very rough, and eventually the calluses that we would develop with these two knuckles are insane. I mean, here we are 50 years later, and I'm still numb here. So that's how these guys, uh, masters like Masutatsu Oyama, can, can actually go through a wall he may, he won't break his hand, it's just that they're that durable. So, I said, you know what, if, if my, my hands got really, really, became hammers, these guys can become hammers too. Now, that, I see that in the face of uh, Miguel Cruz breaks two uh, uh, fingers in his last fight. Uh, Caesar breaks his hand in the only fight that he lost, which he won, but he lost because the first punch he landed, 10 seconds in, just like we practiced, Boom! Landed money, and he broke his hand in the first round, first 10 seconds of the fight. Still managed to whip this guy's ass, but lost the decision. So I'm going, here we are, all these injuries occurring here. So why don't we mineralize the bones? We know it works for osteoporotic uh, women and so on and so forth. So now we've got a protocol that we're experimenting. So at the beginning of every combat thing, we're going three minutes on, on the uh, on the power plane. And we use, we're using a little rubber so, so we don't hurt them because that, that's got sandpaper on top. So we're going in here for a minute and then we're going 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, oscillating back and forth for a minute and then we do that three, uh, three times, right? Then we're gonna go to 15 seconds, then we're going 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And we are already seeing two weeks in, people are saying, I, 
I feel different. I feel, and I've, I've already done it, and I, I feel different. You feel like it's one unit. So that is an application that I think is going to be, after a year of doing this, six months of doing this, I think our fighters are going to start throwing punches with a different intent. With a different intent. It's now not a punch. Now it's going to be like a bat, like this, like a totem pole coming at And they're going to throw it with that intent. And when they start feeling like they've got a hammer here, it's not a right hand that has to strategically be placed. Now it's target, center mass. Just throw it down the pipe. Just throw it here. Because you're going to hit something. You're going to hit an elbow, you're going to hit a forearm, you're going to hit a shoulder, or you're going to hit a chest. And whatever you hit, most probably will break or fracture. Or at the very least, it's going to create an ouch. All right? So once you create that first ouch and somebody goes, my God, what did this guy just throw at me? That's going to change the course of the fight and how people move and where they present themselves and all that. So that, for me, is the most exciting thing we're doing right now with the vibration. Now, on the power plate, if you're, if you're doing a push-up or just holding a plank position from the fists, I mean, that can go right up the chain. It Wrist goes up the chain. Shoulder. Yesterday, <coughs> uh, Caesar was on it. He goes, man, I feel my core. Sure. Of course he's going to feel his core. But, you know, it has all those goodies in it. Shoulder stability, scapular stability, all that. Me, I'm, I'm looking at it from purely from a sledgehammer standpoint. I want, number one, you see all the fighters, they're resting here where the maximum amount of surface area is and where they can disperse it. I don't want it there. I want it in these two. If you look at a karate guy, they exaggerate a punch when they're just gesturing. And they go like this, and they almost point with this guy here. It's almost like a spear, you see it. So when they're just gesturing, like Olympic weightlifting, they go, they go like this, all right, to show that the elbows are not there. The elbows are here. So they do, when they're gesturing the snatch, they do this, okay? A karate guy would go like this, and he'll just point here. So we got them, make sure that they're on two. And you can see as soon as they go on two, their wrists start doing this. But within the second session, they're solid. They're solid. The first time, every single person, I think, just about has done this one time. Gil, I saw Gilbert do it. I think um, Caesar kind of jiggled a little bit, and, and, and it happened to me, so I know. So that's very exciting, just, just to be able to align it and just create a lot of disruption and, and remineralization at the bone. I think there's going to be implications there that we can't even think of. Yeah, yeah, applications. Uh, we know that at 50 hertz it increases uh, circulation. Like I said, cellulite, uh, visceral fat, bone mineral density, of course the power and the flexibility, that's awesome. Uh, now we're experimenting since Caesar just had his, um, his stitches removed here. Just, it increases circulation, just put a towel so there's no skin on sandpaper thing. Put a towel and just let him rest at 50 hertz. Give them three sets of 30. It's not going to hurt. And we know it increases circulation. Maybe that'll, that'll expedite the healing of that local area. Good stuff. All right, that's it. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. This is more JC Unplugged. Take care.